We are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world, and it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. This is an episode you can't miss if you work with preschoolers because we are going to talk about letters today. And the research indicates that letters don't matter a little, letters matter a lot. So not only do letters matter, but the number of letters that children know when they leave preschool is really important. It's really predictive of how they're going to do in elementary school. So we're going to pay attention to the details today. We're going to pay attention to details of our practice. We're going to put the latest and best research we have out there into practice, and we're going to create a better tomorrow. So if you work with preschoolers, if you have a preschooler, if you know colleagues that work with preschoolers, share this episode with them. This is a game changer. First, we're going to dive in to the details. This is a really great study I'm going to share with you. This is 371 preschoolers. That's a huge number that attended publicly funded preschool. So this is lower socioeconomic status, probably a head start type of preschool in the United States. And these 371 children, they looked at them and they said, how many letters did they know when they finished that preschool program? Now, when I talk about letters they know, I'm talking random. So if they pulled out uppercase and lowercase letters and they just pulled them out and said, what letter is this? Couldn't they label 10 of the 52 letters? And that's a common benchmark that's used in many states across the U.S. They said that's a good number, 10. Now, we want to look at the research and say, is that number high enough? Is it high enough for the children to know 10 uppercase and lowercase letters when they finish preschool? And what the research indicates is that, yes, that is a good number. So the children that know less than 10 letters when they leave preschool are more likely to struggle in elementary school. And the children that know more than 10 letters are more likely to do well. However, the research in the study that looked at 371 children said it's even better if they know more than 10 letters. So what they found is that if the children knew 18 uppercase letters and 15 lowercase letters out of the 52, if they knew that many letters when they left preschool, they were in a better position when they went to elementary school. So you're more likely to catch those children that are borderline, that are likely to struggle, that are at risk 
if you can get them at a higher number, it really does matter. So what these authors suggest is let's raise that benchmark, raise it from 10 letters to 18 uppercase, 15 lowercase. So basically more than half of the uppercase and more than half of the lowercase letters they're able to identify. By doing so, what this study found is when they looked at these children in first grade, the children that were able to identify 18 uppercase letters, 15 lowercase letters, they were more likely on the Woodcock-Johnson reading subtest of spelling, of word recognition, being able to read single words, being able to comprehend sentences, reading comprehension. Of these three subtests, these children that had stronger letter knowledge, being able to label 18 uppercase, 15 lowercase, were in a good position on those three subtests. So those three subtests are decoding and comprehension. Decoding in the sense of, can you spell single words? Can you read single words? And comprehension in the sense of, can you comprehend sentences when you read them in first grade? So what they say is, you know what you should do is you should take that target and put it up. So why don't you say instead that the children are able to identify more than half of the uppercase, more than half of the lowercase letters when they leave preschool? Because if they are, you're going to get better outcomes. And why are you going to get better outcomes? Because when your vision is clear, your actions are clear. It's funny, I'm reading a book right now by Arnold Schwarzenegger called Be Useful. So I'm reading this book and he's talking about the clearer your vision are, visions are, the clearer your actions are going to be to get to that goal. And I liked an analogy he used in the story in which he said, it's kind of like when you're wearing your glasses. If you, you put on the glasses and the focus is clearer, then you're going to want to take that action. But if you put on the glasses and the focus is blurry, then it's going to not make you closer. So every moment, ask this question, is this clearer to my vision? So when we're looking at these number of letters and we're saying that the children know more than half of the uppercase and more than half of the lowercase letters when they leave here, that's higher than 10. That's a clearer vision. And that leads the educators to say, okay, this is where our vision is. This is our goal. What I'm going to do, do each and every day in the classroom is going to move toward that goal. There's something to be said about having more challenging treatment targets. As I always say, challenge creates change. That's the case in our speech research, in our language research, and in the literacy research. And this is another example of that. What we want to do is have higher expectations when it comes to letter knowledge. I bet you're like, well, that's all nice, but how? How are we going to get there? And that's where I brought another good piece of research. This is one of my favorite literacy journals, and that's Reading Research Quarterly. So if you're a practitioner, Reading Research Quarterly has a lot of clinical articles that you can immediately put into practice. I love this journal. It's my favorite for literacy intervention. So Reading Research Quarterly in 2019 had a great study. I can't wait to share it with you. And the study was called 
preschool instruction in letter names and sounds does contextualized or decontextualized instruction matter. So by contextualized, it's like you're teaching the letters and the sounds in the context of storybook reading. By decontextualized, they mean you're explicitly teaching it. And what they found in this study, and this was a a huge study, I want to share the details because they're good. They looked at 127 preschool age children. They randomly assigned them to one of two groups. In one group, what they looked at is they said, what about if we introduce the letter sounds in the context of a storybook? So suppose the letter is the letter U, and this is a unicorn, and the unicorn is under the umbrella, and we're talking about the letter U. That's how we're going to teach this sound in this contextualized manner. In the other group, they said, this is the letter U, and they showed them a card with the letter U on it. Then they had a picture of a unicorn and a picture of a turtle. And they said, which one starts with the U sound? They, oh, the unicorn starts with the U sound, the unicorn that is under the umbrella. And the U sound, when it's short, goes ah, 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 ah. So what they did is they had the child first take the letter, label the letter, then they matched the letter and put it with a picture of a unicorn with their hands. Then after that, they said the letter four times, uh, 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 uh. Where in the other context, you had the teacher, she was doing the work. She was pointing to the unicorn. This starts with the letter U. And there we have the umbrella. The umbrella starts with the letter U, the ah sound. And here he's under, and that starts with the letter U. So that's contextualized. They're teaching in the storybook way. And then they're also saying, do you have the letter U in your name? And the other group said, okay, we looked at the letter U. This is the letter U. So they just reviewed it in a very explicit manner. This is where things get interesting. The results. The results of the study indicated that decontextualized, the explicit teaching, having the written letter on a card and the picture of the unicorn in which the child puts them together and says, ah, 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 four times when they do, was much more effective than the teacher having a storybook and pointing out the you sound in the context of a story in a contextualized manner. So what does this show us? What was the difference between these two situations? Now, this is what I see as being the difference. We talked about in the last episode, episode 94, the importance of the bottom of Bloom's taxonomy triangle. So just a little background here. Bloom's taxonomy triangle are the levels of learning. You go from a low level of learning to a higher level of learning. So you start off with knowledge, memorization and then comprehension. And then after that, you apply it, then you synthesize it. And then after that, you create and evaluate it. So what we want to do is we want to remember that the bottom of the triangle matters too. The phonics piece, the phonics piece, the knowledge and the comprehension, the explicit memorization of this is the letter, this is the sound that the letter makes. It's explicitly taught to me. It's memorized before I can go and apply it into a story when things become contextualized. I'm not saying that the story doesn't matter. It all matters. What I'm talking about is best practice being an 
all of the above proposition, not either or. This is not whole language versus phonics. It's phonics and whole language. So when they compared the two, they found the difference was, this is incredible, almost half a standard deviation in favor of explicitly teaching the letter. This is what the letter is. This is a picture of something that starts with a letter. Put it together and make that sound four times. Explicit teaching was more effective with the outcomes being almost half a standard deviation in the child's ability to not only say what the letter sound is when you show the letter U, but also the child able to look at the unicorn and say the beginning sound. So they were able to not only have better phonics skill in the sense of being able to take that letter and what sound it makes, but better phonemic awareness skills in the sense of seeing a picture and saying, this is the beginning sound in that picture. And they were better able to do that when they were explicitly taught the basics of this is the letter and this is the sound that it makes. And I want you to practice saying that sound four times. One more thing that they found is that the children in the decontextualized learning situation where you're explicitly teaching were also more engaged than the children that were watching the storybook situation. And that's probably because it was an active process. It was them that were literally moving the cards together. It was them, the children, that were saying the sound. It was them, the children, that was labeling what the letter was, not the teacher where it's passive. So when we look at that, we looked at they had, they were statistically more actively engaged in the activity. They were half a standard deviation, better able to say this is the letter and this is what it sounds like. They were almost half a standard deviation, better able to say this word begins with this sound when I'm seeing this picture. Now that said, why? Why did they do so much better? And I think that we can look at three reasons why. Number one, it was a challenging target. So when we're looking at the challenging targets in this situation, these children are asked to perform. They're not just listening. They're asked to say, when they're shown that letter U, what sound does it make? This is major auditory visual processing. They have to look at the letter. They have to think of the sound. And then they have to say, uh, uh, uh. So this is a very challenging task that they're being asked to do. Challenge creates change. They didn't have that in the storybook situation. Number two, why is this more effective? Because the learning is integrated. So we don't just learn through one sense, we learn through every sense. And this involved the visual, it involved them using their auditory modalities, and it involved them using their physical modalities simultaneously. Now that's what preschoolers do when they play. They show us, we learn in an integrated manner and we use all our domains at once. And some of us speech pathologists, especially, we like to just say, oh, we're doing language. That means you listen and you talk. And that's the only modalities we use. No, they use all modalities. A moving child is a learning child. We have to use all modalities. They did not have that in the storybook condition. It was a passive learning experience in which the teacher was doing their push-ups for them. The third reason why the explicit teaching was more effective, and that is because they were incorporating the procedural 
pieces. We can't just go to higher level. When we look at the storybook, they're going right into application. The letter we're going to talk about this week is the letter U, and then this is where it is in the story, and is it in your name as well? No, first they need to learn the letter U. This is the letter U. This is the sound that the letter U makes, and I'm going to practice it. That's that procedural piece. We can't just jump to higher level. These kids don't have wings. They can't fly. None of us do. We need to get the foundational pieces of that triangle down. So there is a place for explicit instruction within best practice. And there's also a place for higher level thinking because that is our secret sauce that's going to make us different than artificial intelligence. As long as we have this integrated higher level thinking, we have something special that artificial intelligence simply cannot do. So those were the three pieces of the explicit, as they say, decontextualized learning that worked. So that's something that we're going to want to keep in mind when we're doing our own practice. Do we have those three pieces? Do we have a challenging treatment target? Otherwise, you're not going anywhere. Secondly, we want to ask, is it integrated? Are we doing multimodal? Is this auditory, visual, and movement involved? And I take great pride in that because everything I do involves a movement component because that's how children learn. It's integrated. They learn through movement. And the third component is incorporating that procedural knowledge. Do we have that memorization, practice, knowledge, comprehension piece of Bloom's taxonomy in place so that children have that down at an automatic level so that it's totally fluent. And when that's totally automatic and that's totally fluent, then they can free themselves to focus on the higher level thinking that's going to give them the big bucks, that's going to make them a mover and shaker someday in this world. But first, we need to get the basics down. We need the foundation down first. You might say, why did you dedicate a whole episode, Kelly, to these letters? Maybe you're thinking, these children are just smarter. And this is a test in which children with a better memory are going to perform better on it. And therefore, they're going to do better in, in reading. Well, that's not really the case. Because when they looked at letters and numbers and at pictures, it does matter. Children that are able to fluently label their letters and the sounds they make are going to do better at reading than children who are able to fluently label pictures or fluently label numbers. So the details matter. It's actually worth it for you and I to unpack these letters because it matters. It matters that this is in numbers. It matters that this isn't pictures. It matters that this isn't colors. It's not that simply this child's smart, so this child's going to do better, that this child knows their letters and they know their sounds and they know it at a fluent level. And how can we do that in a meaningful manner in which we take that and we go up that triangle in which we bring them to a creation piece? That matters. But the bottom of that pyramid matters a lot too. Let's talk about the elementary school. When we look ahead in our crystal ball, what's going to happen when these kids enter kindergarten? Now, the child, according to the research, that is able to quickly say A through Z, read it and say what sound each of those letters make, they're going to take off in elementary school when they enter kindergarten. 
The child that isn't able to do that, this is highly predictive, is going to spend that kindergarten year learning their letters and the sounds the letters make. This is where you get the Matthews effect. The Matthews effect are the haves and the have-nots. And those that have will have more. And those that don't have will have less. Those that have those letters down that are able to quickly label them and say which of them sound, they're ready to work at a higher level. They're ready to write those words. They're ready to read those words. They're ready to write those sentences. They're ready to read those sentences. They're ready to, at the end of the school year, read those pages. They're writing those pages. That's what their kindergarten year looked like. They took off. They had the foundation down. They went up that Bloom's taxonomy triangle and they went into the creation evaluate mode. And that's where they are at the end of kindergarten. Now we have the tale of two cities. We have the have nots. We have the children that don't know their letters. And what are they doing in their kindergarten year? They're learning their letters and they're learning the sounds that their letters make. And that's where they're going to start the first grade. They're going to start with knowledge of their letters and the sounds their letters make. And in first grade, they're going to try to learn how to write and read words at the beginning stages while their peers are doing chapter books. Well, chapter books, I mean, that's in the best case scenario. But that's how you get a gap that occurs in kindergarten continues to grow throughout elementary school. The gap started on the first day of school and it only grew from then. So that is why the letters matter. And that's why I think we need to ask, is 10 enough? Could we do better? And I want to just have this caveat. I am not a flashcard person. But I am saying, hey, there's something we can learn from this explicit approach, and it's not break out the flashcards. Don't go to that $1.25 store and buy that pack of ABC flashcards. That's not what I'm recommending. What I'm recommending is, A, challenge creates change. We got to up that number from 10. B, learning in an integrated manner, movement, auditory visual movement, That's how we're going to learn our sounds. Three, I'm also recommending that we incorporate the explicit teaching in a fun, engaging manner in which the child is actively participating throughout. It's the child that is doing the labeling. It's the child that is doing the movement. It's the child that's making the sounds. It's the child that's the teacher that's taking the lead on it. And that's the only way the automaticity will develop if it's active. You can't do the child's push-ups for them. Explicit teaching does not mean it has to be boring, old school flashcards. We don't have to go there. But it does mean that we can do better than what we're currently doing. And we can't skip the bottom rungs of the pyramid. So if you want to know more, do more, there is my book, of course, the Speech Sound Disorders book. I have a whole chapter with video clips of how to do literacy in a meaningful, hands-on manner. Also, I have my membership, 
the CIS membership, which is awesome. And the CIS membership is not only about proving speech and language, it's also about proving literacy. And why is that? Because the research indicates if children has an articulation impairment, a speech sound disorder, they're 25% more likely to have a literacy impairment. If language delay, they're 50% more likely to have a literacy impairment. So the children we work with are at high risk for literacy impairments. I don't want my head in the sand. At the preschool level, I'm going to be building those phonological awareness skills. I'm going to be building that alphabet knowledge in a meaningful, fun, and engaging and multimodal manner. So that is why I'm so passionate about these letters and about phonological awareness at the preschool level. This is high stakes. And when they enter in kindergarten, It matters. We got to pack that backpack so they're ready to take off. So they're ready to blast off and not so they're struggling through kindergarten year learning the basics. I want you to take all of this information, roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place. One child at a time, you're always going to be first.